Welcome to another In the Macbeth monologue series. In this podcast, I will be covering the theme of ambition and looking at how this theme runs throughout the play. Ambition is often said to be the motivating force in one's life. It can be a factor that drives a person towards success. Ambition can lead you to achieve great things that others only dream of and bring about important and necessary changes in the world. The undeniable power of uncontrolled ambition and its consequences are extensively portrayed within Shakespeare's tragedy, Macbeth. Within the play, ambitions are portrayed as a corrupting and unquenchable force. Macbeth's ambition inspires many of his actions and that results in the deaths of numerous characters and the ultimate downfall of both himself and Lady Macbeth. When Macbeth first appears at the start of the play, he is brave, honourable and moral, qualities that he sheds as the play develops. He comes on the scene soon after a battle where an injured soldier reports Macbeth's heroic deeds and famously labels him Brave Macbeth. An encounter with the three witches in Act 1, Scene 3 changes everything. All hail Macbeth, hail to thee, Thane of Glams. All hail Macbeth, hail to thee, Thane of Corda. All hail Macbeth, that shalt be king hereafter. Their words, that shalt be king hereafter, trigger Macbeth's ambition. Shortly after these prophecies are uttered, Ross arrives on the scene and announces Macbeth to be the new Thane of Corda. Two truths are told as happy prologues to the swelling act of the imperial theme. Macbeth speaks these lines as he realises that the witch's prophecy that he will be Thane of Corda has come true. He immediately starts to wonder whether this means that their third prophecy that he will become king will also be true. The eagerness with which he turns to this idea suggests that he finds the possibility appealing, even though he also realises he would have to commit a terrible and violent act in order to achieve the position. These lines hint at Macbeth's ambition and foreshadow his later actions, even though at this point in the play he seems to refuse to consider acting on it. To me you speak not. If you can look into the seeds of time and say which grain will grow and which will not, speak then to me. These words are spoken by Banquo and here the audience see hints at Banquo's ambition too. It's as though he's saying, what about me? What do I get for my bravery and loyalty? 
Following his encounter with the three witches, Macbeth writes a letter to his wife announcing the prophecies. It is she who fans the flames of ambition as the play progresses. Thou wouldst be great, art not without ambition, but without the illness should attend it. Lady Macbeth speaks these lines in Act 1, Scene 5, as she reflects on her husband's character. She knows that Macbeth is capable of ambitious dreams, but she thinks that he is unwilling to display the ruthless behaviour necessary to achieve those dreams. These lines reflect Lady Macbeth's own philosophy on ambition and power, in which only individuals who are willing to set aside their morality will rise to greatness. They also show that she is a sound judge of character and understands her husband very well. Elizabethan audiences would have been repulsed by Lady Macbeth's raw ambition. She defied her place in society. In the 1600s, she may have appeared as weird and unnatural as the witches with their eerie prophecies. Today's attitudes are very different, yet ambitious and powerful women still arouse suspicion. Many critics use the name Lady Macbeth to deride or belittle female, public and political figures. We have more references to ambition later on in Act 1, Scene 7. Macbeth says, I have no spur to prick the sides of my intent, but only vaulting ambition, which o'erleaps itself and falls on the other side. Macbeth speaks these lines as he starts to doubt his plan to murder Duncan. He uses a complicated metaphor that compares his experience to horse riding. He describes being unable to motivate himself to take action by likening himself to a rider who cannot use his spurs to motivate his horse to go faster. The one thing he does have is ambition, which he compares to a horse and rider who overestimate their ability to leap over an obstacle and end up falling down. The passage describes the tension between Macbeth's unwillingness to move ahead with his plan and his acknowledgement that his ambition is leading him down a dangerous path. We know that Macbeth does kill Duncan and is eventually crowned as King of Scotland. However, all is not as it seems for Macbeth. Has getting the crown and reaching his ambitious goal really given him what he wanted? To be thus is nothing, but to be safely thus. Macbeth speaks this line in Act 3, Scene 1, after he has become king, but he continues to feel restless and insecure. He is afraid that he might lose his position and is also frustrated by the fact that he has no heir. Without the knowledge that his lineage will continue after him, Macbeth finds it meaningless to be king. 
This quote reveals how him giving in to his ambition and murdering Duncan has not brought him peace. Later in Act 4, the witches show Macbeth three apparitions. The first is an armed head, summoned to warn Macbeth that Macduff is coming back to Scotland to ruin him. The second apparition is a bloody child. It tells Macbeth, none of woman born shall harm Macbeth. The third apparition is of a child wearing a crown and holding a tree. And it declares, Macbeth shall never vanquished be until Great Burnham Wood to High Dunsinane Hill shall come against him. Macbeth misinterprets these prophecies to mean that no man will be able to harm him since every man is born from a woman and since forests do not generally move, he is further relieved. Who can impress the forest or bid the tree unfix his earthbound roots? These lines serve to make Macbeth ambitious and overconfident once more. The consequences of ambition in Macbeth are dire. Not only are a number of innocent people killed, but Macbeth's life also ends with him being known as a tyrant, a significant downfall from the noble hero at the start of the play. Most importantly, Shakespeare gives neither Macbeth nor Lady Macbeth the opportunity to enjoy what they have gained, perhaps suggesting that it is more satisfying to achieve your goals fairly than acquire them through corruption. We do, however, see a more honourable take on ambition in Macbeth. To test Macduff's loyalty, Malcolm pretends to be greedy, lustful and power-hungry. When Macduff responds by condemning him and crying out for the future of Scotland under such a king, he shows his allegiance to the country and refusal to submit to tyrants. This reaction from Macduff, along with Malcolm's choosing to test him in the first place, demonstrates that moral code in positions of power is more important than the ambition to get there. At the end of the play, Malcolm is the victorious king and Macbeth's burning ambition has been extinguished. But is this really the end to overreaching ambition in Scotland? The audience is left to wonder if Banquo's heirs will eventually become king as prophesied by the trio of witches. If so, will he act on his own ambition to make this happen or will fate play a part in realising the prophecy?